to go back to the origins of that song. That song was written back during um, the times of slavery in the USA. During the 19th century, thousands of slaves escaped to freedom through a secret network known as the Underground Railroad. It is believed that along the way, spiritual songs were used as a secret coded map as secret-coded messages to escaping slaves. Wade in the water warned them to flee dry land for the water so that the dogs and owners chasing them could not track their scent. And so, because many slaves knew the secrets to these songs, the people that were back um, still encamped in slavery would have sang these songs out over the fence, out over the borders of the land to warn their brothers and sisters that were fleeing. It's time to get off the track and get into the water. They were warning each other through songs. Um, but just to set the scene, probably quite hard to do that. But think of these, these slaves back in the 19th century. They were taken from their homeland. Many of them died on the way. And then when they got there, it wasn't much better. They were put into tiny confines, given hardly any food, made to work, 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 no matter what the weather was. And many were beaten, many were tortured, and many were killed. And so a lot of them had made the decision, when the time comes around, we will escape. We will get out of this slavery. And so the, spontaneous, or the, the decision had been made, but the timing was spontaneous. They had made the decision, but they did not know when that was going to, to come into action. Do you understand what I mean? And so... Whenever they decided to go, when the time was right, they knew they were heading out, but they did not know what lay ahead. Does it sound familiar? They also knew that once they had made the decision to go, they were committed and there was no turning back. Sound familiar? And so I started to pray, as I started to pray about this, I started to realize that even myself as a Christian, I understand the enormity of the fact that I have made a commitment and there's no turning back. I've decided to follow him. And what does that look like in my life? And so to try and make this a little bit easier for me to explain, I've got four different things that I believe I've broken it down into. And so the first one is this. Waiting in the water, God's going to trouble the water. The first thing is God is talking to a people to gather on a journey. I believe that in this season, the time for just leaders and the one-man band is gone. The season for that is over. The season now is about the collective group, not just the individual. Because whenever these people decided to leave the farms or wherever they were, the individual didn't really matter. It was the group of people together as one that had one thing in mind and one thing in common. We need to get out of where we are and go to a new land. And so I believe that the Father is saying through this that it is time for us to actually take seriously the fact that Jesus said, I want you to be known for your love for one another, the unity for one another, and take this seriously because that is what's going to show my love to the world. He's calling in this season for a commitment to him and to his church. And so one thing that I realized about this word is that you have to be on the move. You have to be on the journey. You have to be on the path to get the words, get into the water. If you're not actively following Jesus, 
you're not going to get what this word is about. You're not going to understand the context of God saying, it's time to get off the beaten track and start to follow me. And so, the thing I said about uh, drawing the attention or the attention of the devil being drawn off you, what I mean by that is that he is looking, he is searching just like the Father does. And if you are actively following Jesus and if you're actively advancing his kingdom and making a difference, it's like the illustration I used a couple of months ago. It's like Neil, when he was the key player for Portadown College, running really fast and he had lovely bleach blonde hair back then. He was a key danger man that we knew. And so as you step further and further out into the kingdom of heaven, following the Father, going deeper with the Spirit, going deeper into the Word, you're going to draw attention to yourself. Now, I don't believe in higher level, bigger level, because the further you go, the closer you get to the Father, the more you understand His Word and His promises and your identity, so on and so forth. But the reason they had to get into the water is because the enemy, as attention had been drawn to them. And I believe that we're going into a season where as individuals, we're going to learn what it is to carry the presence of God in such a way that the enemy dare not move near us. And that's not a willy-nilly pipe dream. That is what I really truly believe as we get on our knees as we ask the Father to break our heart for what break, breaks his, as we intentionally say, God, I want to chase after you, the enemy will not dare come into our camp. If you disagree with me, you can talk to me afterwards. But I believe this is a season. There are seasons. There are seasons where he's going to attack again. There are seasons for everything. But I believe this is a season where the Father is saying, I want to give you a chance to get into the filling station and to fill up so that you can give it away. I believe it's a season where the Father is saying, I want to lay a firm foundation for you as a church on a mission to get filled up and ready to go. And so it's about everyone on the journey being involved. It's about everyone saying yes. You cannot love people that you do not know. And I believe that God is saying it's time that you get to know one another properly and get to know the people in your community. Bob Goff says this. I know I've used it before, but it's too good. We're supposed to just love people in front of us. We're the ones who tell them what they are. We don't need to spend as much time as we do telling people what we think about them and what they're doing. It's time to start calling out in people who they are and what we see in them and championing them on. That's the miraculous in the everyday. That's the favor that I'm talking about. I believe the favor that he's talking about is a unity that cannot be broken. It's a unity within God's people and his church, not just grace, but the church. A unity that is going to forcefully advance the kingdom like we read about in the New Testament and that I long to see. And so the second thing is this. Out of wading in the water, God is going to trouble the water. The second thing is the Father is asking for obedience. To get into the water, you have to be listening, and then you have to be obedient to what is being said of you. And so, to wade in the water is to change how you walk. It is to change where you're walking, and it is to change the posture with which 
you are walking. It is being willing to follow. It's being willing to be led. And it's being willing to trust. And so the word wait is defined as this, to walk with effort. And I've been challenged by this this week. God is saying, I want you to walk with me with effort. That Now, I know his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but he is saying, I want you to want this. I want you to desire to see my kingdom come in your community. I want you to intentionally be ready to walk through troubled waters with people that are in your community and in your family. I want you to get serious about this calling. And so we have to go down. We have to change our posture. Getting into the water. Has anybody ever done it? Jump into the cold water of a flowing river or a lake. I know we used to do some baptizing in Loch Ness. That was fun. But it's, it's not easy. It's uncomfortable. It's unnatural. And here's one thing I felt that the Father was saying. As you walk in the water, the scent goes, but also your footsteps cannot be seen. Your footsteps are walked away, are, are washed away. And what I felt with this was that this is a season for our church that we are to go after breaking into the community by doing good, by loving, by giving, by praying, by seeing the miraculous. But here's the deal. We don't need to Facebook or Instagram it. We don't need to boast about it. We just need to do it. We don't need to take a selfie of us. Praying for this boy today. What we can boast about is when God breaks through. When the miraculous is seen. When someone says yes to Jesus. That's what we can boast about. But this is a season where God is saying your footsteps are going to be washed away because you don't need to worry. Because this needs to become the normal every day, everywhere, like it says on our sign over there. As we start as individuals collectively together to carry Jesus every day, everywhere. What we used to post on Instagram because it was something that didn't happen very often will soon become the normal. And that's what I believe God is saying. Get into the water because I'm going to trouble the water. And we'll talk about that in a little minute. But as these people were waiting in the water, as they left from slavery, here's the thing that happened. It wasn't something that, they, that was just done. It was a matter of life or death. They had to get into the water. It was either be caught by the dogs and the slave owners or get into the water to freedom. And you and me this morning, there is a choice that is life or death for those around us if you choose to get into the water. If you choose to give your serious yes to Jesus, they were desperate. They were desperate. And so one of my prayers this morning is for a desperation to rise up in me. A desperation to rise up in me to see God break through in this village. To see our happy Sunday clubs actually come alive with the Spirit of God. Please don't get offended by that. I was watching a documentary to Nicholas Annoyance. I watch any documentary there is, I'll watch it. Anybody watch How It's Made? No? 
I'll watch anything how it's made. But this one was about the paratroopers. Um, a little bit of choice language, but it's quite a good series about how the paratroopers are basically abused to become men that are killing machines. And uh, in this uh, one part of the series, they had to get from point A to point B. And some of the, the commanding officers were dressed up as the bad guys. And they had to get from point A to point B without being seen and without being killed. And the guy that got there at the end was soaking, was covered in dirt, was covered in other things that were within the river. And as he got to the end, the commanding officer said, how did you do it? And he said, I just waded in the water the whole way. And the commanding officer's response was, the reason that you are where you are is because you have done what I would have done. And so God is calling us. The Father is calling us, look at me and do what I do. Every day, everywhere. John chapter 14, verse 15 to 17. It'll be on the screen in the Passion Translation. It says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will, be, who will be to you a friend just like me and will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and he will live inside you. This is a season for realizing the fact that we carry the very presence of God within us. The third thing is this, as we are obedient, obedience leads to the visible expression of the kingdom of God. Obedience leads to the visible expression of the kingdom of God. John chapter 14, verse 21, it says, those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my father and I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. The key here is that he will manifest his life within you. And for those who are a bit confused with, he will passionately love you. The context of this is think of a family business. If I spend hours and hours with my father and pour into his life and he pours into mine and we pour into the business together, the relationships look, looks a little different than if I pop in every six months and say hello. The difference is my side of the relationship. And God is saying, if you invest in your side, there is no doubt that I have, I have invested and will continue to invest in my side. The difference is you will be more aware of me. The more time I spend with my father, unfortunately, the more time I probably become like him or good or bad, whatever it is. Hopefully he doesn't watch this. But it's inevitable that as you invest in relationship with someone else, the investment will come back. And so he is saying, when you invest in me, my manifest presence will be shown in you, through you, to others around. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you hungering for all that God has given you? It's not going to give you. He has given you. Are you hungering for all that he has given you? Stuart Greaves of IHOP says this. It is the Father's plan for the church to be the full expression of his personality, his power, and his purpose. And I believe God calling us into the water, God calling us off that narrow, normal road, is asking this. He wants to show his full expression of his personality, his power, and his purpose through you and me as individuals.
It's a season of being ready to respond to the fact that Jesus Christ lives in you. And so, as we are obedient to the Lord, as we step down, as we step out, as we get into this water, it's where the Spirit is moving. Do you ever look at people who you know they love Jesus, they know they spend time with Jesus, they know they're on fire, and you go, I am fed up. Like, look at the favor they have. How come every time they pray, something happens? How come every time they ask for a miracle, it happens? How come? And the thing is, we do not see the time that that person spends with Jesus. We don't see the, the no's. We don't see the unanswered prayers. But we don't see the commitment that that person has had to get into the presence of God. And I believe that as we spend that time with the Father, we are more in tune with them. I love that Gaither song, Turn the Radio On and Listen. You know, you have to tune. Sometimes there's a bit of fine tuning needs done on us to hear clearly what the Father is saying and to be led into that stream where instead of one out of 100, we start being 80% out of 100. I don't want to get into details, but you understand what I'm trying to say. If I talk to the Father every six months, of course, every time I pray, Every time I want to do something, I'm not going to be in tune with what the Father is saying. But if I am continually in that place of worship, if I am continually in tune with the Spirit, then instead of willy-nilly just saying things that are on my mind, I'm going to actually be listening to the voices of heaven and in tune with them. And so the original context of this song is taken from John 5 verse 4. For an angel of God was periodically, uh, would periodically descend into the pool to stir the waters. And the first one who stepped into the pool after the waters swirled would instantly be healed. And so people knew about this water. If you just turned up, you would think, what on earth are all these people doing sitting around this pool? Why are they fighting to get into this water? You had to understand and know what was happening. And I believe this is the context of what the Father is saying. You and me as people of God, as we start to understand what is happening when we step into the water, God is going to start to move in ways that we have never seen before as we are in tune with the Father and understand what he is doing. It's just a matter of knowing where he's working and working along with him. He's asking us, I believe, to step out firstly with each other and loving each other starting with those around us, getting it right with those here nearest us, and collectively taking personal responsibility. That sounds like a real Irish slogan. Collectively taking personal responsibility. It's collectively together realizing that God has called us as a people on mission, but if we are not in that place individually, if we as individuals aren't seeking the better or aren't looking for the kingdom of God or aren't looking to um, advance the kingdom, then as we come together, it's not as powerful as it can be. I heard a slogan this week, it takes a child to raise a village. No, it takes a village to raise a child. Too much Red Bull this morning. It takes a village to raise a child. That's that in non-Irish. Collectively taking personal responsibility. I love the fact that God just gave me an illustration of that as I turned around. I had Sarah in my arms and uh, Andrew. <laughs> You're just, you're just standing holding random child that's not yours. I think we have it in this church even with regards to the way 
uh, you know, we take each other's children and look after them. And, but God is calling us as a people on a mission to understand that it depends on all of us together. Mother Teresa, she said this, I never look at the masses as my responsibility. I only look at the individual. I can love only one person at a time. I can feed only one person at a time. Just one, one, one. You get closer to Christ by coming closer to each other. As Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do to me. So you begin, I begin. I picked up one person. The whole work is only a drop in the ocean. But if you don't put the drop in, the ocean would be one drop less. Same thing for you. Same thing in your family. Same thing in your church where you go. Just begin one, one, one. At the end of our lives, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we have, how much money we have made, or how many great things we have done. We will be judged by, I was hungry and you gave, you gave me to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. It starts with the one. And on the same morning, I felt this word going over and over in my mind. Something else came that, that I sent to the guys, and it was this, I believe God is trying to talk to us about teaching individuals to be truly his. Teaching individuals to be truly his. At, at the moment, um, as leaders, we are trying to work on a, a, a discipleship, a way of discipling in smaller numbers together that is relational, that is very practical. I'm enjoying it so far. But it's about teaching individuals who they truly are. And it reminded me of a dream that I had a few years ago. And in the dream, I was standing in a church speaking. And at the end of the service, I remember very clearly putting my hands out and I said, when people truly understand how to carry the presence of God, then God's church will be what it was created to be. And at that moment, I got hit by, it must have been lightning. We were actually in Tenerife. And I woke, and I woke up jumping and shaking all over the bed. And to this day, I remember the weight that that word carried. And I believe that as we as individuals learn to steward and carry the presence of God and give it away to those around us, that is when his church, his bride will be all that it was meant to be. And if you forget everything else this morning, that's okay. But I want you to remember this. If you are living and walking in the way that God created you to be, hungering for him, hungering for his word, hungering for his spirit, hungering to see the kingdom of God come through you, then you're not going to go too far wrong. John Wimber says this, even though the 12 were given authority and power of the kingdom, they still had to exercise it. Until they actually healed the sick and cast out demons, their power and authority meant little to them. To understand what you, what you have, you actually have to use it. And if you want more, you have to give away what you've already been given. And the reason I'm saying this is, part of us stepping into the water and the Holy Spirit starting to move, it's like a car engine starting, but not ever realizing that it has gears to go anywhere. Maybe you've said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've took that step where you're changing your posture. You've got down into the water. Maybe you're at that point where you're, God, pour out your spirit in me. God, use me. God, give me opportunity. Maybe you're at that place. But you haven't discovered that he's given you a first gear to start moving and to start doing. And so what I want to encourage you with this morning, um, I heard a guy trying to explain it through humility. And he said, you know, 
at one point I was struggling with humility. So whenever I went into a situation, I would think, what would a humble person do? And I started to do it. And the next time I would go, what would a humble person do? And eventually what I realized was that I didn't have to think what would a humble person do because humility had become a culture and a way of, of my doing and being. And so often we think, oh, I need to, need to change the heart, I need to do this, which is true. But we don't practically engage our mind and think, I just need to do it. And so I had this a while ago where I started thinking I would love prayer slots in the, in the living room, would love people to come for healing, would love the people to come that need hope, that need filled, whatever it is. And I felt God saying, just start doing it. Start doing it in everyday life. Start doing it to the people that are around you. And so that's what we've started to do. That's what I've started to do. And even last week, we had an opportunity with Joshua to pray over a guy in the middle of the new golf place. And uh, then we went after that and we prayed for another person on the way home and I brought Joshua with me and he laid his hands on the person too. And yesterday in Peter Pan's, we came out and uh, apparently some boy was swearing at Joshua and Joshua said, do you not know Jesus? He's like, I do know Jesus. He said, if you knew Jesus, you wouldn't be using language like that. And so as he starts to see, it's a wee bit, you know, in your face, we'll teach him the love side of it, the patient side of it. But as we start to make this the new culture, as you just start to do, if you want to see the miraculous, what you need to do is once you step in the water is actually start to use what he's given you and say, do you know what? I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know Jesus. You would want this situation to be different. So I'm going to speak that into this. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. But I believe this morning, it's the WWJD. I hate those bracelets. I want the t-shirt that says, what would Jesus deadlift? But Nicola won't let me get it. That's weights, by the way. Brandon, we know that. Braden, Brandon's the other way. But I think for a season, I probably need to wear one of those bracelets. And before I do anything, I need to think, what would Jesus do? Because as I start to intentionally engage my mind to do that, then the spirit within me and the heart within me is going to gradually start to change too. Until it becomes a natural response. And so in the context of the original words of this song, they did not have time to prepare. They just had to respond to the instructions of those that were familiar to them. And I believe that's the same with this. As you're waiting in the water, as you're getting closer to the Spirit of God, there's going to be times where the Father that you're getting closer to and you're tuning into will say, this is what I want you to do. What? That happened to me in the golf place with this familiar person. I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray for his knee. I'm not praying. We're in the middle of a birthday party. Josh is here. Going to look a wee bit crazy. But God's going to start prompting you to say, now, this is the time. This is it. Are you ready? Are you listening to me? And do you know what I find with Jesus? Even when I ignore him, gives me another chance. Have you ever been at that place where you're like, God, why do you keep giving me so many chances? I've had that quite a few times recently. Why do you keep giving me so many chances, God? And I felt immediately that the father said, that's not me speaking to you, son. Because what I say is, I will never leave you. 
nor forsake you. This is a season to stand on the promises. This is a season in the middle of the chaos to understand who you truly are. Sorry if I'm going all over the place here. That's what happens when you're trying to preach from a, a word. I believe it is time for us to get off the beaten track. That's why I don't use a sat-nav anymore. Because it always used to take me down little lanes with grass growing up the middle of the road. Especially when you were going down to Monaghan or Dungannon. Where sat-navs don't work. And you were taking down these beaten tracks. But what I found is you always got to the destination eventually. And so some of us, our tracks and our roads are going to be easier than others. Some are going to be rougher than others. But all ultimately with the one thing in mind. My thing is this. I want to see, G I want to see people introduced to Jesus right now. And I want to see them live in the fullness that God created them to live in. Not just the golden ticket to get to heaven. Not being brought into heaven because they're scared to death of hell but introduced to a loving Savior that said, I can give you life right now in abundance beyond anything that you could ever dare or imagine. And do you know what else? I've got a family that you can do it with. I have families everywhere that you can come a part of. Because you know what? Really, what people are looking for in our community is belonging to a family. is belonging to something else apart from themselves. We're nearly there. And so another thing about this song, this song was a coded message, but also this was a song of praise and worship. And one thing that uh, the African-Americans know how to do, and uh, I got introduced to this when I was in America in February. They had their big old organ out and some amazing voices. They know how to worship. And they love singing these songs where the person leading is like singing from heaven and then they sing back, yes, we believe it, hallelujah. And it's just, an, it's amazing to watch. But one thing they knew how to do was to continue to praise along the journey. And I believe this is a key to this this morning. They were praising on the journey, dreaming of the destination or what was to come. They were praising before breakthrough had even come. And they were entering a new season, a new life, a journey that was leading to a new home. And in the middle of that, there was excitement, there was fear, there was worry. There was probably every single um, emotion that you could think of under the sun. But in the middle of it, one thing remained. That was their ability to praise in the middle of it and to keep on dreaming, to look ahead with hope for the future. And that's something I want to talk about for a short time tonight. But this is the fourth thing and the last one. Praise is the key in this season. I believe that praise is the key in this season. Collectively, when we come together, learning how to just give everything to him and praise in his presence, but also individually, before anything else, when we do the WWJD, I think the first thing the WWJD would do would be, Father, thank you. Remind me of my blessings. Remind me of the good. Remind me of your promises so that I can face what I'm about to do right now. So that I can be strengthened and empowered for the person that I'm going to pray for right now. I want to give you praise and adoration. And I believe in this season, praise is our weapon. You know, as slaves, they had 
their dreams stolen, their hopes stolen. They had it put on hold. They had that privilege removed. But it's in human nature to want to praise, and it's in human nature to want to dream. And so part of what I want to talk tonight about tonight is the importance of us as individuals carrying a dream, no matter how big or small it is. Just like Martin Luther King, like Harriet Tubman who wrote this song, they looked at the why and said, why not? I believe Martin Luther had a vision. I believe he seen what was on the other side as he said in the speech. I believe that he encountered Jesus and that's what made him the man he was. Dutch Sheet says that things are supposed to be different in earth because you showed up, because you are a part of his plan. Do you believe that? Things can be different because you show up. And it's not just because you show up, but because you are carrying the presence of the living God into situations. Another word that I kept hearing over and over was just do it. And then Neville sent me a, a picture yesterday of the book we're reading as leaders. The very last line in the chapter we're reading for this week finishes, just do it. Just do it. It's a new short one. Model. You're taking this. We do this over here in this country, don't we? We like the. And I believe this morning, the Father is saying, just do it. Stop with the excuses. Because if you really, truly believe that I died on the cross for you, that I rose again, that my spirit lives within you, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? He's calling us to a season of adventure. I remember when I was a little boy, I used to live on Legacory Road in Rich Hill, not far from Neil and his annoying little sister that I used to bully. And uh, I remember going out in adventures with another boy called Neil Dugan along the river behind our house. And my goodness, it was so exciting. We packed the backpack and we had sandwiches and I probably didn't have sandwiches, probably just like crisps and, and stones and those guns that, you know, you put into the potato and then you shot at people and all that kind of stuff that would do you for two weeks away from your mom and dad. And I remember the fun and adventure of that, of the childlike fun of just going to play in a field and to go along the river and to go up the treehouse that my dad had built. And during, I wouldn't go into it now because I know his skillers are not great with woodwork, but he had a, a treehouse like 30 foot up in the air, just as well none of us ever died in it. But I, God's calling us to that place of it's time to be adventurous with me again. It's time to dream with me again. Like whoever thought Lucas would have a snail farm? No one. Now you've got a brilliant snail farm. It's time to dream. No matter how small or big it is, God is saying, I have given you dreams in your heart. I created you for a purpose. I didn't create a purpose, or I have something in mind for you that I specifically created you to do. And some of us, we are still waiting to discover it. And so do you know as Christians, Pavel's not here this morning, but if you can talk to Pavel on Facebook, they won the Division One Championship for basketball yesterday for the whole of Ireland. So well done, Pavel, if you, if you listen to this back. But as Christians, we have this mentality of, it's all right, somebody else has got it. Sometimes I do it. Neville's got it. Neville's good at organizing. He'll do that. 
But sometimes as Christians, we have this attitude, somebody else will get it. Another church will do that. Another ministry will do that. The Holy Spirit will speak to someone else and they'll do it. And you know, if you watch basketball, Jesse watches basketball, they have a thing called a shot clock. So whenever the opposition team get the ball, they have 30 seconds to use that to take a shot. And if they don't take the shot, a buzzer goes and the other team get it. And the reason they do that is because if they didn't have the 30-second limit, the players would just pass the ball one to the other. It's okay. We have lots of time. We don't need to worry about scoring. We'll just run down time, and at the very end, we'll fire in a shot. And I believe as Christians, we're living like that. And it's about time we realize there's a shot clock, and there are people that need to know the Jesus you have living within you, that need to encounter who he truly is especially in Northern Ireland. What's your response this morning? Let's finish there. I just want to read uh, a couple of verses to you just to to pull this all in at the end. And then we're going to come back to worship. Ephesians 2, verse 7 to 10. Verse 7, it says, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness. We will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness. And I believe if you're ready to change your posture, to be obedient to what he is asking you to do, be willing to respond to what he is saying, you will be the visible display of his infinite, limitless riches. And verse 10, it says that we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us, for we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And lastly, verse 21. Verse 21 in chapter 2, it says this. The entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. I can imagine when these people were on the journey. Some needed help. Some needed carried in the back. Some babies maybe needed to be fed along the way. They needed to stop for a rest break. There was probably some big strong men that were athletic and fit and they were out ahead scouting the way but they were all at different stages. They were all built for different things, but they were all in the same journey. In Ephesians 2, it says that the entire building is still under construction. We're still a people that are not quite perfect. Anybody in here perfect? Good. So I want to encourage you this morning. The Father's calling us to gather on a journey. He's asking us for obedience out of love. He's asking for us to be obedient to the movement of the Holy Spirit, to be aware of the Holy Spirit, and in the middle of it all, remember that we are called to praise, that we are called to dream. So let me pray.